Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to another edition of Life Behind Bars. I'm Noah Rothbaum, the Daily Beast Half Full Editor. Joining me, as always, is my colleague and co-host, David Wondrich. How are you, Dave? All right. How are you, Noah? I'm all right. Um, facing, I have to say, pretty scary times in, in the hospitality industry. The last four months have been uh, the worst possible conditions for, for bar and restaurant owners and people who work in the, in the hospitality industry in a long time. So it's uh, been uh, pretty miraculous that, that we still have bars and restaurants continuing to uh, stay open. And, you know, God bless the people who are doing it. But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a dangerous time for, 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 that, for that line of business. And it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, it's sad, you know, it's sad to see. Yeah, and, and, and to be honest, I think we're going to need some kind of bigger aid package, you know, from the state or federal level. And uh, Yeah, people can't go this alone. No, know? I mean, if anything, I think probably resources are running pretty low at this point. And, and, and most folks, you know, we need some kind of organized package. You know, a lot of the programs that the federal government has tried already have not really been designed with the hospitality industry in mind, so have not really benefited them. No, they passed right over it. Fortunately, a lot of bars and restaurant owners and, and bartenders, people in the industry in, in different aspects are coming together and organizing and, and trying to form groups to, to hopefully affect change, you know, on, on, on the different government levels, uh, also to help. Yeah, I mean, there's so many, there's so many paths that need to be explored and so many, uh, so many aspects to this, to this crisis. It's hit, it's a, such a broad crisis. No, it's hit in so many different directions. And joining us today, we have Nate Whitehouse, who's one of the co-founders of the Thirst Group, which is trying to um, enact some of that change with both insurance companies and insurance regulators to help get insurance policies to to pay out or cover business interruptions. You know, from things like the coronavirus, the state mm-hmm. mandated shutdowns. So um, you know, Nate's been on both sides of the business. Started a well-respected spirit brand, a, a cachaça brand, and uh, built that up. And he's also a lawyer, so he he kind of can see both sides of this. Absolutely, and I think this is well above um, most people's understanding when you get into the nitty-gritty of uh, insurance policies and legislation and federal aid programs. You need lawyers, somebody who speaks cocktails and spirits, like Nate from uh, Drifter Spirits. We'll get Nate on the line. Welcome, Nate. Thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about what the Thirst Group has been up to recently and um, what you're working on now? Basically, what we are is an all-volunteer organization across the country, which is advocating for common sense reforms for basically insurance payments during COVID for our hospitality industry. Um, 
you know, this started just in April. Um, it is an organization very much focused on what we call the last line of defense in, you know, kind of the survival of our hospitality community, which is basically helping, you know, people get the insurance payments that, uh, that they've contracted for over a number of years. And uh, why do they need help with that? What happened after the initial orders dropped? was a sudden and rapid kind of panic in the industry. So like March 12th with Governor Cuomo and uh, Governor Newsom, I think, and then kind of a lot of organization or a lot of states following suit. But what that meant is that all of these successful businesses, which provide us this amazing experience of restaurants, bars, you know, this, this hospitality community we love, suddenly had the rug pulled out from underneath them. And these are largely like classic American entrepreneurship stories. You know, this is, you know, a person or a family or a small group of people starting a business because they love it, because this is their path to the American dream. And, you know, many of these are also not high margin businesses. So they were put in this position where it's not like they were sitting on a ton of cash reserves. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you know, these businesses that they built up sometimes over decades, um, sometimes shorter, all of a sudden, you know, had, had the rug pulled out from underneath them in these very, very choppy waters. And a lot of them were just trying to survive. So they went to their insurers because they had business interruption insurance, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I think a lot of these these small business owners, you know, they looked at their at their at the, their bank accounts and they said, "Ooh, okay, well, you know, this is going to be a problem. If this if this goes for so long." And they looked at their employees and they looked at many of whom are are family, uh, you know, metaphorical or or real mm-hmm. in these small these small bars and restaurants, and said, "How are we going to solve this problem?" I mean, they've got rent to pay, right? Yeah, I mean, if many, if you're in some of these major metropolitan areas, like your rents ten, twenty thousand dollars a month sometimes. The loans you have to keep your business afloat, you know, the fixed payments you have, people who you know again are working for you who all of a sudden don't have the ability to make ends meet, and it's not like you're you're sitting on a ton of cash in the business. So immediately, people went out to their insurance brokers and said, "Hey, listen, like." We paid for property insurance, you know, which often includes something called business interruption insurance. For the past, you know, X years we've been in business. Um, how can you guys help us? And pretty much across the board, every business owner I've talked to, with the exception of one, I've probably talked to 300 in the past month and a half. The brokers said, "Hey, don't don't even bother applying." Or if they did apply, they were kind of summarily denied. And Part of the reason, you know, people contract for this type of insurance is, is they go into it in good faith saying like, we want to be able to deal with these risks of unforeseen things happening. And we you know, live in a modern country where that should be supported. They were, I think, very, very surprised when the news came down, like, don't even bother applying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's been some, some fiscal stimulus, but I mean, for, for those of us in this on this podcast who are part of the hospitality community, we know that PPP didn't work for hospitality. It wasn't designed for it. In some cases that some of the uh, employees got some money, but the business didn't get any money. You know, they told the businesses, they said, hey, listen, we will give you this certain amount of money and it will be forgiven, but you have to deploy it in eight weeks. So if you applied for PPP on April 1st, 
in New York City, you had to spend that money hiring back people prior to June 1st before the state was even open. Right. So essentially, like, that did nothing for your business. It, in fact, maybe even put you in a worse position and maybe put your employees in a worse position because they couldn't get unemployment as easily now. Getting back to, like, the interruption insurance, why do insurance companies offer that? What does that cover and what is their rationale for denying claims? Normally, you would have something called property insurance. And many times on property insurance, you would, you know, engage something called business interruption insurance, which is meant to compensate the business for lost profits in the event of an unforeseen risk. You know, that unforeseen risk is often related to, in a normal environment, like a fire, a flood, but, you know, can, can include a lot of different things, which essentially come down to like the loss of use of your property. People who had engaged as insurance, I think from a very common sense perspective, said, well, on March 12th, Governor Andrew Cuomo basically passed down an order that said, like, you don't have access to your property. And then that, that escalated so that many more people didn't have access to their property, to the use of their property. And thus, like, that, you know, should trigger an insurance payment. The insurers are essentially saying, well, we get that, but, uh, you know, this is not part of the covered risks because, um, you know, the virus didn't cause the civil authority action that would trigger the policy, which seems like kind of an absurd. absurd yeah, well, I mean, so the civil authority action is a, an interruption of business then. Uh, that's still an interruption, right? It's still an interruption. And in many policies, it's a very clear you no know, trigger. It's like, hey, listen, if, if the government sh- comes and shuts you down, <laughs> you know, your business has been interrupted. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. We'll step in. Many, many years ago, decades ago, I was a paralegal when I was uh, in my music musician days, and that was the day job I happened to fall into from a weird chain of circumstances. And for a while there, until I quit that job, I worked for somebody uh, for a big law firm and the partner I was working for handled uh, medical malpractice liability law. It turns out the insurance company that was their big client, their policy was to litigate every case, whether they were in the right or not. I mean, is that what we're dealing with here, basically? I think coming down to it is. I mean, the reality is, like, we're at a fundamental fulcrum point in this country, to some degree, without being a little overdramatic. We have to decide, like, are we all on the same team or not? A small business can go out and, you know, sit outside a senator's office and say, hey, listen, man, we need help. We need help. We need help. We need help. Or outside their city's councilman's office or whatever. But isn't it more sensible to have them? get payments from a service that they paid for for sometimes decades? To me, it is. And I think that's the fundamental moral case we're trying to make to legislators is to say, hey, listen, like you're responsible 
for the health and well-being of your communities. And hospitality is a core part of your community. Let's talk about these legislators. I mean, this your main approach for this, right, is to, to rope legislators in and connect them with the, with the people who are the kind of pillars of their community, at least the, you know, the hospitality pillars of their community. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, basically what we're doing is a, it's an all-volunteer kind of citizen advocacy um, that really tries to, you know, ask our hospitality community to lend their voice to help tell their stories to the people we entrust to make our laws. And what that means very specifically is what we do is we set up um, state organizations. Um, we're basically organizing committees. Currently, we have states, uh, state organizations in New York, in Texas, California, Illinois, Colorado, and Arizona. Okay. And we have other kind of uh, conversations about starting organizations in Georgia, Washington State, Florida, and Massachusetts. We have some law students and some lawyers who are, who are helping, it, helping on a pro bono basis. And we figure out who are the people that sit on the insurance committees. You know, which legislators are they? And what these state organizers do is they then pair a prominent hospitality, you know, figure or owner in one of those districts and task them with creating a coalition around this in that district. So very much focused mm-hmm. on the district. With the ultimate goal that that community organizer, which is what we call them, walks into that meeting with a legislator that sits on the com- insurance committee, which has jurisdiction over this issue and tells their story that those of us who are in the hospitality community know because so many of our friends and colleagues are going through and tells that story also comes and says, here's some policy recommendations by some real experts who understand the space. And on top of that, here's a binder full of 200 other hospitality owners in your district, (laughs) or it doesn't have to be not just hospitality, but small business owners in your district with the goal of getting legislation passed. We've seen, um, a lot of prominent chefs, uh, notably Thomas Keller, you know, who was suing his insurance company um, to try to get them to pay for business interruption um, coverage. Is, have any of those lawsuits, have we seen any like movement on those in, in terms of getting insurance companies to change their policies or, or, or pay? You know, I think that the procedural position of a lot of these cases is still pretty early. Mm-hmm. Um, we really view this as being kind of you know, I mean, it's a unique moment in time because the restaurant industry is, is or, you know, it's $1 trillion in GDP. You know, 13, 14 million people who work for this. Um, insurance is also roughly a trillion dollar industry. But what this really comes down to is essentially like a David versus Goliath thing. There has to be a, some multi-pronged efforts here. There has to be mm-hmm. efforts by, you know, Famous chefs and, and like business interruption group is doing some amazing work on the federal level. There has to be, you know, pressure from the plaintiff's bar. Um, and, and many of those lawsuits have been filed for declaratory judgment actions. But there also has to be pressure from the ground up, from the independent entrepreneur uh, and the people who depend on them on the state level. Insurance is a very abstract issue. It's very like mm-hmm. one of those, like you say it and your eyes roll in the back of your head. But like we say, like I always say, this is the last line of defense, really trying to help people wrap their head around it and fundamentally go and like add their name to, to what we're trying to get done, thirstgroup.org slash get involved and start to make some more noise to really hopefully make a difference so that at the end of this, we come back and it's not this horror story, this decimation, you know, from a fundamental like 
social justice or moral level too, like the people, the community who I love and who I do business with every day, and I've a lot of friends in, you know, it is a hugely heterogeneous community of a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds. But I think one thing is really common among every bartender or service, you know, person, service industry person I know, like they always thought this was their insurance policy in some degree. There's always something they could come back to, right? Like you mm-hmm. always go and get a good bar job and make good tips if you're good at what you do. And, you know, what we're saying is like this whole world is not going to be available to, is not, is not going to be there if we don't do something. According to the Insurance Information Institute, the III, which is sort of the clearinghouse for all information about insurance, I mean, according to them, that a lot of the business interrupter insurance, most policies specifically exclude losses due to viruses, bacteria, and contagious diseases. Like what you're asking for, like the change have to sort of be retroactive in order to cover policies that have those exclusions? Every policy is a little bit different. But essentially, denials are fitting into two broad categories. The first is saying there's no loss of use of the property due to essentially the civil authority action. And, or, or that's, the, that's the position of the denials, essentially. And in that situation, we're asking the state legislatures to come in and remove that ambiguity and say, like, hey, listen, it's very clear as a matter of law that, you know, this ambiguous construction of this ambiguous interpretation of this policy this, you know, Governor Cuomo's or Governor Newsom's or Governor Abbott's or whoever's order caused this, you know, civil authority action. Now, what happened historically is after SARS, a bunch of insurance companies went to the insurance commissioners and requested to start adding basically exclusions for pandemics to basically, you know, and that were that was written in um, 2006, you know, yeah. 2006. And uh, what that does is a very, you know, it in, in fine print, mind you, but, but clearly within the contract, you know, basically excludes those, those, those payments. Under our system of constitutional law, obviously, we, you know, we can't retroactively modify, you know, uh, without author- different authorities, certain contracts. But what we can do is to say, like, hey, listen, let's get as many of the first paid out as possible. And then the second, let's have the federal and state governments step in and, and we would ask the insurance companies to also take a position in that or, or, or contribute to it and put in place the stabilization fund, which basically can be adjusted by the insurance companies um, to get some of these funds out. So we're not putting, so as a society, that means we're not putting the entirety of the risk shifting onto the federal balance sheet because that is not workable, you know, I mean, we want to avoid that as much as possible. You know, we're not in the, in the business of making future generations pay for everything, but you know, where it's clear, you know, the federal government can step in and the state governments can step in to at least get some liquidity out. And then, you know, to maximize the chances of these businesses survival and the, the economies that surround them. I've heard throughout this that people, small bar owners and restaurant owners, you know, not the small ones, complaining over and over that they just don't have a place at the table when these issues are, are, are decided. When, you know, 
on the other hand, people like the Ayn Rand Institute have a place at the table, you know, and are taking government money. And meanwhile, bar owners just don't have a have a mechanism of 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 of, of getting their concerns into the ears of the people who are deciding, you know, how we how we navigate this pandemic. So uh, hopefully, this will uh, work work for that. I, I think that's a really important point. And I mean, I think that one thing that has been very, um, it's heartening in a sense, it's like that old de Tocqueville quote about America, like what makes America great is how many organizations they have. And some of them are, you know, more effective than others, but they're always starting organizations. And I think that, uh, I think that that's, if anything, it's going to get, that's what's going to get us out of this. For Thirst, uh, you know, ideally, you know, what's sort of the ideal result for your organization? First of all, insurance is regulated on a state level. Um, obviously, the federal government has, you know, can supremacize and step into certain things, but fundamentally, insurance is a state issue. And so, we're really uh, a successful result looks to us like the passage of legislation in as many states as possible that addresses this issue to remove the ambiguity and also to uh, basically put in place. Um, stabilization funds. And I think on top of that, it is uh, the issuance by attorneys general to act as either amicus briefs or as like persuasive authority to courts saying that like this ambiguity should be construed in the favor of payment under these civil authority clauses. And for our listeners, you know, what would be the best way to help support your efforts? I think there's a few ways to help support. First and foremost, if you live in a state and you're organized and love your community and want to get something done and something's not going on, write me, nate at drifterspirits.com. We're trying to get as close to 50 state solutions as possible. If you live inside of one of these insurance districts and you have something going on in the state, please, like, same thing. Um, we're trying to pair basically community organizers with legislators. And then if you know, neither of those fits for you, sign up www.thirstgroup.org slash get involved, sign up, add your name, every name helps. And you basically keep an eye out for content regarding this and, and help raise awareness for it in your community. There are things which can be done. We live in a democracy. We just have to do them. Thank you for coming on and uh, obviously such a hard time for so many bar and bartender owners who are trying to save their own businesses and livelihoods and their communities. So um, you know, I appreciate that you know, you've gone above and beyond to, to not only help your own community, but, but people across the country. So, so thank you for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. My pleasure. We have a great team of people around the country, many of whom have helped found this. Uh, alongside me, but um, yeah, Aaron Lampeck from Laws Whiskey, Maxwell Britton from Django, uh, Josh Morton, Rachel Harrison, some great people. So, uh, well, you know, fingers crossed. Uh, we need uh, <laughs> nobody wants to live in a country without bars. That's for damn sure. One hundred percent. I mean, now more than ever, as the saying goes. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Noah. Really appreciate having me on the, the podcast today. And thirstgroup.org slash get involved. Dave and I encourage you to drink responsibly always.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 